Okay, thank you for being here. We are in Mark uh, chapter 4, finishing up of the chapter. It's verses 35 through 41. And what we're, we just finished the parables, but Jesus is on the shore of Galilee. He's at Capernaum right here. We're going to look at this a little bit. He's in a boat out here in the water, and the disciples are going to, when he finishes, they're going to pick him up at where he's at in that condition, and they're going to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're going to talk about, during this time, there's going to be a storm that's going to happen, and several things are going to be revealed in this. Uh, this is the first of four. There's going to be four stories that we now have, and each of them is going to reveal something about Jesus. Basically, the issue is the disciples believe, they have faith, but they still do not, we'll say, know, do not know, and do not understand. Now that is, there's nothing unique about this. That's exactly where we're at. We all believe in Jesus. We all know there's a God, but our understanding is small and growing. And these people, they are, the disciples are clearly on the inside group. They're the insiders. Even here in the book of Mark, it's going to say there was other ships that went with them. And it most likely the other ships are the other people, the other those. It's not just Jesus and the twelve. They're in the, his boat, but there's others that are going with them. So these people are on the inside. And it, it's just mentioned. It's one of the keys that this this story, we, well, if we get a chance, we may read the same story in Matthew and Luke. Things are, are softened down, maybe uh, smoothed out in Matthew and Luke. Uh, Mark, it appears to be, there's some, I got some things written down, some first-hand details, mentioning the other boats, mentioning they take Jesus right from where he was, and some of the details of what's going on. Even uh, the disciples talking to Jesus in the other accounts, it kind of has the, the disciples praying or requesting, where here they're almost, uh, you know, and you, you can decide. It's, it's maybe more re- revealing in the Greek, and as you look at the wording, uh, they're, they're like attacking. It's, hey, they're almost like giving, it's like, they say, don't you care? Don't, don't, we are not an object of your concern. And it's not like they're coming to him for help. They're like, well, this is, this is lame. This is, what are you doing? Uh, and they're very uh, short, sarcastic. Uh, and that's probably because, again, this is Peter's story recorded by Mark. And so the, you kind of see some firsthand events taking place in this. Uh, I'm going to read through. Well, let me read the story. Let me read the story. Uh, Mark chapter 4. And then I want to read some background details of what we're going to see. Uh, and in Mark chapter 4, uh, beginning, see, it's in the same chapter as the parables, but the break, in a sense, comes right there in verse 35, uh, and it can continues into chapter 5. So you see right there, chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus calms the storm. Then chapter 5, you've got the demon-possessed man, that where they, where they end up, there's a demon-possessed man, and, and you know these stories, and you've got that account, and that's going to cause... Uh, the disciples to see and understand something else because Jesus isn't just casting out a demon. He's casting out a legion of demons. Uh, and then the next event is chapter 5, verse 21. The, you've got uh, Jairus' daughter and then the woman, two healings in that situation. There you're going to see him raise the dead. So Jesus has so far healed, uh, cast out demons, but he's going to do something here tonight in this story in Mark chapter 4. It's a big deal. I, I'll show you. And it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to show you anything new. But I was kind of interested as I was studying this. In, in the Old Testament, there's a couple places where it's pretty clear that only God can control nature. I mean, you know, there, you can have, you know, Elijah did some things, you know, Moses did some things. Uh, but here you're going to have, in the Old Testament, in Jonah and in Psalms, God is the one who's actually directing the weather. Well, here, Jesus is on a boat. A storm comes. He just gets up like, what, what's the big deal? And then he rebukes the wind and the, and the storm, and it's, and it's perfectly calm. It's kind of like, 
So it's like it just took the disciples. He's got power. He's anointed of God. We believe in Jesus. But all of a sudden, it's like he's acting as if he didn't pray. You know, he didn't, like, go to God and ask for God to intervene. He intervened himself. And so there, there's a pretty clear demonstration for the disciples right here that, you know, they, they saw him, you know, we go back to the book of John. They saw him turn water to wine. They've seen him do certain miracles. We're now... He's revealing another whole level of who he is. And, it, and the thing is, chapter 4, verse 41, they were frightened in the storm, but after Jesus calms the storm, it leaves them at peace and happy and confident. Like, oh, they're now more afraid. They were afraid of the storm. They wake Jesus up. Don't you even care? They wake him up. He goes, well, where's your, where's your faith? He's like, and rebukes the wind. And he looks at the disciples, and the disciples are like, now they're scared. Now they're, there's another. It's not just that they, they fear God. You know, we talk about we fear God. They were, they were in awe of God, but there was still this human fear. And that matches all the other old, like when the angels appeared to Daniel or, or Moses. You know, even Moses, I, I, I'm, I'm trembling when God was there. And so they realize on the boat with them is God. And it's more than they expect. And so we got this little, little story that we've read. We've, we read it in Sunday school. We've known it for years. Three of the Gospels have it. But uh, it's kind of a, a big deal uh, when you get into it. Well, nonetheless, uh, we were looking in, uh, I, I was showing you the, 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 the third phase. There is the, the Jairus' daughter and the woman. And then he has, Jesus demonstrates power over death. And then in chapter 6, the first verses 1 through 6, he goes to Nazareth, and uh, there's another story of where they've got to decide who he is. So that's, it's, there's several choices. There's, there's four stories, and every story is going to demand that you come to a realization of who you're dealing with and make a decision on Jesus as, as Jesus continues to reveal himself. So here's the story, chapter 4, verse 35. And remember, Jesus has been teaching parables, sitting in a boat, off the shore of Capernaum, uh, that day when evening came, he's still in the boat, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And that's going to be important. It's his idea. Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. So he, they're in, he's in the boat. They're in the boat. Let's go to the other side. And they leave right from there, said goodbye to the crowd, and sailed away. Uh, there, uh, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. And we would assume that's the others besides the 12 that are always traveling with him. A furious squall came up. And again, we'll look at that word that, that's describing a hurricane. And it, the, the words in there are mega hurricane wind. And we'll, we'll look at that. Came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Again, that's again a first-hand account. Someone remembers the boat was nearly swamped. There's water coming into the boat. Jesus was in the stern at the back, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Now that again, you can read that as religiously as you want to, but they wake him up and say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It was your idea to come out here. You're asleep. We're bailing out water. We don't know what to do. You don't even care that we, we are all going to die tonight, and you, you're sleeping. Again, you can, you, can, you can translate that into your own life. You have said something like that to God. If you, Maybe you didn't have enough... Uh, uh, confidence to admit that you said it, but you have thought it. I mean, I know I've thought it. I know I have almost like uttered it with my mouth. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of like a prayer, but not really a prayer. It's kind of like you're chewing God out, but you're not. You're kind of, what, what's going on? Uh, but remember, who's reading this, this, if Mark, if what we think, Mark is writing this to the Christians in Rome during the Nero persecution, uh, this is something that they, they can understand. God has called them to follow Christ, and now they're facing all kinds of trials. Some of them are dying. Many of them are dying. They're under persecution. They're, they're not even considered citizens in a sense. And, and don't you care that we are dying? And they were. And so 
the disciples have the situation, I know I can relate to this at some level of anticipating what God is going to do, and he simply just seems like he falls asleep and leaves me with the problem. And it's like, don't you care? And it's like, well, here's what he says. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. <laughs> they did, it's like, they, they, and they weren't terrified of him chewing them out. They weren't terrified of the storm. They were terrified on what they, they had just seen. It wasn't like the cloud started just blowing away. He spoke, and, and it, it's very reminiscent, if we get a chance to look at it, of Jonah. As soon as Jonah hits the water, Jonah, you know, was asleep also in a boat, and the captain came and woke him up, and he's, they threw him in there. As soon as he hit the water, it goes calm. And everyone knows, as you read Jonah, God's the one who made that happen because he's the one who sent the storm. So there's your example of the Old Testament. Who stopped storms? God. And he stopped it right away. And it terrified the, the Gentile, the pagan sailors. It's like, oh my gosh, they saw, they'd seen storms before, but they'd never seen a storm just go, done. It, it, it wasn't like a gradual blowing away of the clouds or, or there it goes. It just was like they just switched into another dimension. It was gone. And it scared them. And the disciples also. Some of these guys are fishermen. Not all of them are fishermen, like Levi was a tax collector, uh, Matthew. But, you know, G James, John, Peter, Andrew, they're fishermen. They're, they're from, they, they make a living on the sea. And they fish at night. The, the, a lot of times it's calmer in the evening, and it's better fishing. So they're used to being on the, on the, the, the you know, the, the sea in the evening. And so they, they've seen storms come and go. They know what it's like, and they knew this was not normal. They were terrified and asked each other. Here's the question. They asked each other, and this is the whole point of the story. Who is this? Now, now who's asking this? The religious leaders from Jerusalem, his family back in Nazareth, the multitudes in the crowd? No, these are those on the inside that are those that have been chosen by him, that have been with him from the beginning, and they're the ones asking, who is this? And I would think, I would imagine, I think we can understand <coughs> that we, we ask the same thing. I mean, we, I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. I'm a Bible teacher. I got a board. I got, you know, but it's like as things go on with life, you still, I, I would think a growing faith, you're going to continue to get to that point of who, who, who am I following? Who, I mean, not that you're disappointed, but it's like, I understood Jesus. I knew what I trusted, but it's like, this is, and I know just as I study scripture, it's like, I've, I've, I've committed to following Christ, but the more we study, the more that's real, as realized, the more that things come together, it's like, oh, this is bigger than, it, than I thought 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's bigger than I thought two years ago. It's just, and I think the same thing. Uh, they're on the boats with him. Uh, who is this? And they're their point, even the wind and the waves obey him. And they know who can control the wind and the waves. Uh, it's Jesus. Okay, well, or, or God. Here we go, page one of the notes. Um, there's four stories and four decisions in what I just told you there. You've got the storm, and the decision is faith or fear. Uh, the demonic act that's coming up, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, acceptance or rejection. Jarius and the woman, Jarius' daughter and the woman. If faith or despair, I didn't get the D typed in there. And then the hometown, Nazareth, uh, belief or disbelief. Uh, and again, point two, the disciples are on the inside, but they must continually ask and learn, who is this? Uh, the disciples believe, but they do not know. The disciples have faith, but are afraid of what they do not yet understand. And I, I think that's true for us also. We have faith. Uh, we have confidence, but we're also afraid of what, what we're about to learn. And realize we're about to learn things about God. This account may be a firsthand, uh, the details are less vivid in Matthew. If we, we, I might want to read those. It might be kind of interesting. But here it tells you the hour of the day. The disciples took Jesus from the boat he was teaching in. The presence of other boats. The boat was taking on water. Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples' sarcasm and Jesus' rebuke. Uh, 
we need to read Psalms 107 and some things there. Uh, I want to do this now. I want to take a moment. I spent some time doing this. Uh, and so my notes, I wish my notes were a little more detailed and a little better, but I got stuck on, uh, well, pictures. And so, uh, Tony, are we ready for our, our pictures? I'm not sure if I'm going to be. I've got to get my phone here and, and move it around a little bit. Uh, but I want one, one of the things that was found in 1986, if this is Capernaum, uh, about five miles south of Capernaum, down, you know, down this way, there's a drought and the Sea of Galilee had, had you know, you know, withdrawn. And so some land was opened up that hadn't been opened up for quite some time. And again, I'm not sure how long. But they found a boat uh, in 1986, five miles off south of Capernaum. It's 26, I've got pictures of it. I've seen it. You can see it there in, in Israel. Uh, 26 feet, 26 and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high. That's what was left of it. Now, it's, it's 2,000 years old, and it was buried in the mud. Soon as they started taking it out, it started to decay. So they got a whole system of taking it out. They brought in scientists and, and engineers, and they removed it to keep it together. So it would, now it's in a, in a, spa, a place in, in a dark room. Lights are dim, and I'll show it to you here. Uh, it matches the design of a mosaic that was made in the first century in Galilee, uh, it, at, of a Galilean boat one mile south of where it was found at a place called Migdal. There's a mosaic from the time of this boat, and the, the image in the mosaic matches what this boat looks like. So, I mean, everybody's fairly confident that this boat matches a Galilean boat of this time. They call it the Jesus boat. Again, not that it was Jesus' boat, uh, but it, it was... It was, it's very, it's possible, it's not ridiculous to think that it was in operation at the s same time as the story. I mean, you know, there's always that, you know, million or one chance that it was the boat, but that's, there's no one's claiming that. It's just that it, this is an example of it. Uh, it's also an image of it is seen in a, an, a mosaic in uh, Medeba, uh, Medeba, in, from the 500s, carbon dates to 120 B.C. to 40 A.D., if you want to go with carbon dating. It was propelled by four rowers, <coughs> two on each side. <coughs> uh, the full capacity was 15 people, uh, which would match 12 disciples and Jesus could fit on this boat. And it matches the details of the boat in history. Now, we're going to see some pictures of that. What we're going to see here in just a moment, uh, and I, ho I hope you like this kind of stuff. I, I don't know. I, I, you know. I always feel like I do this. I always remember being at places, if it be in, in churches or family reunions or uh, a missionary visiting or a class somewhere, and you have a special speaker, and they come in with a bunch of photographs, a bunch of slides, and it's like I, I, I just can't get into it. I just It's like I'm not... I'm not enjoying this. I'm not, and yet here I am doing that very thing, and so I I I know that as a, as a younger as a kid sitting and just just thinking what uh, I'm not into this. What a waste of time, and the speaker always seemed like they were really enjoying it because it's like they're showing pictures of their vacation. But anyway, so here we go. I'm going to show you uh, the first picture we're going to see is going to be from this area right here, uh, looking this way. Kind of seeing the overall of the Sea of Galilee. Well, I do want to read about a little bit about the Sea of Galilee coming up next. Um, then I've got three pictures. One of this area, kind of looking from here, looking at this, and you can see Capernaum. Then kind of looking this way, seeing this section here. And then looking this way, so you can kind of see, like, you got, you know, this view, this view, and this view, kind of seeing where we're at. Then we're going to get on a boat. We're going to sail from here. We're going to actually sail the opposite way, and we're going to sail right up to Capernaum. We're going to sail right across here. You can see the, uh, the, the front of the boat, uh, and, and uh, Tony's in, in some of the pictures. Uh, and then we're going to come up right on the coast, and you're going to see the water right here where Jesus would have been teaching. In fact, you can see Peter's house because there's a big white building built around it, and Peter's house would have been right here, and you can be in the water right there. Uh, 
uh, I'm also going to show you, uh, you'll be able to see the, the hills and the mountains. The Sea of Galilee is in a bowl. Kind of, there's, there's hills. Uh, if you want to call them hills, you can call somebody, you could call them mountains all the way around. And the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. So if you go over to the Mediterranean Sea, and you don't come, it's not very far from the Mediterranean Sea to the Sea of Galilee, but when you get to the Sea of Galilee, it's 700 feet below the Mediterranean Sea, and it's in a, in a bowl uh, surrounded. Uh, 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee is Mount Hermon, and it's where there's snow on Mount Hermon, uh, and cold air, and I think that's the next thing. Yes, point six, Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, surrounded by hills and mountains. I hope you can see that here. Mount Hermon is 30 miles. That's Mount Hermon is where Jesus was transfigured. It's in Gentile territory. Uh, Caesarea Philippi is at the base of, uh, of Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon, you see right there, 9,200 feet above sea level. So from Mount Hermon, 30 miles away, to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus and the disciples are, you've got a 10,000-foot drop. And so this warmer, moist air, as it rises with the cold air from coming this way from Mount Hermon, from the mountain range, just 30 miles away, it, when it meets, you're going to get some crazy wind action. Hurricane, the, the Greek word is, it, it is hurricane action here on this. So you, you don't want to think about just rough waves. We're thinking hurricane out of control. Uh, the, point, the interchange of cold upper air from Mount Hermon and warm air rising from the encircled Sea of Galilee produces weather conditions uh, called, and then I was going to write the word there, but it's, uh, it's a Greek word. It's in your notes right there. And it's the Greek word for hurricane or strong winds. Okay, okay. Hey, here we go. Let's see what happens. Okay, I got to go back to where I want to start from. All right, there we are. This is the North Shore right here, the North Shore right up here. Uh, you can see uh, it kind of swings around here. Uh, there, Jesus, this would be Capernaum. They're going to sail from here over towards this side over here. Here's the next picture. There, that's that first shot. Capernaum is here. This is Tiberius right up in here. And, and you can see the hills rising up here. 30 miles this way is Mount Hermon. And now we're just going to work our way across the Sea of Galilee, this angle, and then over to the east right there. We're looking a little bit towards the middle, see the Tiberius, and eventually over there to the east coast. So they're gonna, you can see Jesus is going to be sailing this way. We're going to be sailing this way here. Again, it, it's, it's an interesting picture, uh, but it doesn't really do justice to the storm story because that looks like I don't see the problem. It's like seems like a nice place to be. Uh, okay. Uh, there's Tony. She's heading towards Capernaum. Uh, there, you can see in the distance, uh, the the uh, 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 oh, I just forgot the name of, of that cliff right there. Herod fought some battles there. I'll think of it in a minute. But there's there's the the front of the boat, and we're heading over here to the northwest corner. Um, caves of of uh, I just forgot it. Anyway, there's, there's, there's the, the uh, house of Peter right there. It's got the big church built on top of it, the several layers. And so Jesus would have been in these waters right here, teaching in this area. And there's Tony. There, and you see, there it is. There's the coast. So Tony is fairly close to where G If Jesus was outside of Capernaum in a boat teaching to the shore, this is in the general area. Now, do realize that the shores, you know, it, when they found the boat, the shores had gone withdrawn because of the drought uh there were come that's that's looking towards the east now looking back towards this side so you can see the hills rising up out of there and there's the boat that's the jesus boat not jesus boat but that is uh, what was remaining that's the 26 feet long what do we got 26 and a half feet long seven and a half feet wide and four and a half feet tall uh, and of course, it would be bigger because you can see it's all. That's just what's left, uh, and it's all held together. And it's in a dark room. There's you can see the the slats on the side, and this is definitely from the first century. This is, 
I mean, science shows this is from the first century. This is not something that you, we just hope it is. It's, it matches uh, scientific measurements. Uh, it matches the, 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 the mosaics. And there you can see the floor. It's two types of wood. I forget what the two types of wood are. Uh, one is cedar, and the other might be redwood. I, I can't remember what the other one is. And it's interesting. See there, there the, the floor and the boards going across and the nails, the spikes, the metal holding it together. And there is now the boat we are on heading towards, again, towards Capernaum. That's the front of the boat. There's Tony in the front of the boat. There's me. In the stern. I'm in the back of the boat. I'm in the back. I'm in the stern. So this is where Jesus would have been sleeping. Uh, now, <laughs> this is just for fun right here. This is the guy, him and his brother, found the boat. They're fishermen, and they're working there, and they, they found the boat. And so, again, the, and so that he became like a celebrity because he's the one that him and his brother found the boat. This is Carl Rasmussen, the author. He, he's one that we, we went with him twice through Israel. But he's the author of Zondervan's Bible Atlas. Uh, he teaches up in Bethel uh, in Minneapolis or Minnesota. And uh, constantly giving tours. There's a great tour. I want to go on this tour through the seven churches of Asia Minor. A great teacher. Uh, great uh, as far as the maps, the, the uh, atlases. Uh, does a great job. So anyway, he's talking to the, fa- the guy who found the boat there at the museum. And I quickly stood by them and had Tony take a picture. So you got three legends right there in that <laughs> picture. <laughs> all right. Anyway, yeah, thank you. That's all that is. Uh, now, this is the south. This is just for, just for fun. This is the south. This is down here. We're way at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee now. See, the, that's the end of it. So this is the east side. This is the west side. That's the south end right there. And so you know what's going to happen here. The water flows into on the north side. You can see water coming in on the north side of the, on the, of the sea. And water's going to flow out right there. And that's the, that's the Jordan River. That's the, this is a road. We're driving right across here. We're, we're on this road right here. And so if you look this way, you'd see the Sea of Galilee. But coming underneath the bridge is the start of the Jordan River right there. There it is. All right. Anyway, that's Tony walking. In. Oh, hey, she is right. We're right down here. And we're, we're swimming on the coast right over here on the Sea of Galilee right there. And it's, you see sunset looking over at the hills on the other side. So that's the east side. Let's find something here, a nice background here for the rest of the class. That'll do. Sea of Galilee. All right, there's my pictures. Thank you so much. How'd they go, Tony? I tried to fill them. All right. Uh, she said she wasn't going to do that, so now they got to see it on the TV. All right. Uh, so now let's go ahead and go back to this. I, I want to read, let's go ahead and s- s- while we're doing this, let's go to Psalm 107. And this is probably one of the verses they're, they're did anybody have any questions on those pictures? Any, that interesting, helpful? How did they get all the pieces of that boat? I think it was still, they, 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 they took it out like that. I think that's why they got those bars around it. See, there's bars holding it together. I think they, they went underneath it and they just kind of kept it. And, there was something, you, you can read about it, and I think, it, I think it's called the Jesus Boat. I think that's what they, they, they kind of named it. Um, and it, it. I know there's a, it tells you the, s- the process of what they did. They didn't just go out and dig it out, because if they did, it just would have just fell apart. And so they, they, there's chemicals involved, maybe a case, I can't tell you for sure. Um, but there was something in, involved with keeping it from decaying. Yeah, and those, those, that those metal brackets coming up on the side kind of ruin the look of it, but they've got to be there to hold the shape. And some of that stuff may have been put in it uh, while it was still in the ground before they took it out. Anyway, here, 107, verse 23 of, of Psalm. And this is a, a, a fun chapter just to teach through because what you have here is different people that go off and get into situations uh, sometimes their own fault, sometimes uh, just a situation. But they always cry out to the Lord, and he helps them. Uh, and there's, there's several accounts, I think there's five different accounts of, of people getting into trouble. And this one is talking right here. Others, verse 23, others, here's a new group, 
went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants of the mighty waters. We will assume that they're talking about the Mediterranean Sea. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up the tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens. That means the waves went up and they're in their ship going up. Went down to the depths. And they sink down. They're in this boat going up and down. And God is the one who caused this. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord, or Yahweh, See there, the Lord is four, letter, four capital letters, in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And that, in a sense, captures exactly what just takes place in this story right here is the the storm comes jesus says let's go he falls asleep there in this situation they call out for help he calms the storm brings it to a whisper brings it to a complete stop and takes them to their uh, desired haven uh with that let's go to uh what did i i want to go read in uh yeah, Matthew 8. Read the story in Matthew 8. Just because we're, we're studying Mark and we can see if you can see a difference in the way it's recorded. Matthew 8, verse 23 through 27. Uh, Matthew 8, verse 23. Then he got into the boat... And his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the wave swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, and you notice the difference right there. Is this has been, this sounds more like uh, a, a, the passing on of a story like this this happened i mean i'm not saying it's not it's still accurate it's just some in mark it seems like someone's like right there talking about the details and this is you know and of course then the disciples came and said lord save us we're going to drown he replied you have little faith why are you so afraid then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm the men were amazed and asked what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So you just see the difference there as far as, I think, the softening of it. Uh, they're amazed. Mark, they're terrified by this. Uh, they do not go to him and, Lord, save us. They go to him and says, Lord, don't you even care? We're going to perish. And it, it's interesting how, uh, you know, in a sense, that's what they were saying, but what they were meaning is, Lord, save us. It's like, so what were you trying to say? We're trying to say, Save us, Lord. Well, you're kind of insulting. You're kind of insulting him as you're going about this. Uh, it doesn't give all the same details. Let's look at Luke 8. Just see, it's probably, let's say it's almost probably word for word with Matthew. Luke 8. Luke 8, chapter, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. Uh, yeah, it's, it's different right here. Uh, chapter 8 verse 22 one day jesus said to his disciples let's go over to the other side of the lake so they got into a boat and set out as they sailed he fell asleep a squall came down on the lake notice came down on the lake and that's exactly that that weather pattern the the cold air coming down came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger the disciples went and woke him saying master master we're going to drown he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked. Those are right there, two of them, fear and amazement. They asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Again, the point that is consistent, I mean, it's all consistent. It's not anything wrong. But uh, that's consistent is he... Uh, controls the weather and they're left asking the question 
who is this? What kind of man is this that does that? So let's go ahead and go back to the notes and uh, read this again. I've got now on your notes, I've got the English Standard Version. And we can look at the words. I've also got the Greek underneath there. On that day, so this is the same day he was telling the parables, when evening had come, we're assuming he's teaching all day long, on the, the, teaching them parables, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So he's in the boat. He says, let's go to the other side. Um, one of the, uh, it was Matthew gave the idea that Jesus was in a boat, the disciples were in another boat. Uh, and that's true in both cases because chapter 4, verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat. So he's in the boat. Uh, they're probably, some of them may be in the boat with him, but other boats are with him and they're going to be leaving also. Uh, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. They didn't go back to shore or anything, just as he was. He finished teaching, they start going. And he's tired. I mean, he, I mean he, he's in this, this story you can see both the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ because he doesn't just go to sleep as a stunt. Uh, I assume he's going to sleep because he's been teaching all day. He's going to go to sleep. And that's the humanity, but yet he wakes up and he's clearly God. And I think this is the only time we find in the, in the Bible a record of Jesus sleeping, actually sleeping. Uh, they took him with him in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. Again, notice that, uh, and other boats were with him. Again, that's like I said before, that's a personal note of what's, what's going on. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. I mean, they're in the boat, it's, it's already starting to fill up, and he's still asleep. Uh, there's a one point underneath there. A storm violent of wind is the you know, the literal translation, you see the three words there, laelaps means a hurricane, and is used to say a sudden storm, squall, whirlwind, or hurricane. So the first word is hurricane. The next word in our text is megale, which is the word magus, which means great. So hurricane mega, her a great hurricane, and then the next word is wind. A great hurricane wind came up, uh, and, and it was blowing this all around. But he was in the stern, in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion, or on the cushion. And cushions would have been there for people that were not helping with the nets, not helping with the fishing. They were just riding along. They'd sit on a cushion. Um, and they woke him and said to him, now notice what the other translation says, Lord uh, or Master. I'm trying to remember what Matthew and Luke use. Here they say teacher, and that, that's a fitting. He just got done teaching class, teacher, and then they write out here, do you not care that we are perishing? And the, and the, the phrase, point two there, uh, mealy means to concern or is the object of concern. So it really means concern mealy means concern and they're saying not concerned you're not concerned you i mean they're saying you don't even care and i, I again when you go through life there's times when things start happening in your life where you have a tendency or you just flat out say god doesn't care why doesn't god care why is this happening you're wrong you're christians in rome at this time when you're receiving this gospel that was written by mark after peter's death in 64 a.d and they're all, being, they're not all, they're multitudes of them are being executed. Why doesn't God care? Don't you care? And his, his answer is going to be, where's your faith? Why don't you trust me? Uh, and again, that, that's, easy, that's easy to preach, that's easy to say, it's easy to read a story. But to be in the midst of that storm or to be, and again, the Roman Christians who are reading this letter, their families, their friends, and some of them, went to their death, and God didn't care. I mean, he did, but he, there's, so, there's something bigger than just a God that's dealing with your little situation. There's something bigger that's taking place, and that's, that's, that's where faith comes in. Uh, a lot of times, faith, faith gets you, uh, what people say, faith produces. The, because the storm stopped because the disciples had great faith. 
uh, well, no, the, the storm stopped because God stopped it and then says, where's your faith? So their faith had nothing to do. They, well, they had faith to go to God and ask him to stop the storm. Uh, actually, they realize they're perishing. They don't understand what's going on. They're confused. They're afraid. And now they're throwing Jesus under the bus, says, it was your idea. You're here. We're, you don't care that we're going to perish. He calms the storm and doesn't say, great was your faith. So I, Now, he does say, your faith has healed you at different places. At a time where God will say, Jesus says, your faith has healed you, or because of your faith. Here, the storm was stopped, not because of their faith, but in spite of their faith. And what he's doing, his using as an opportunity to show them who he is, that he's God. Possibly expecting the next time you're in a situation that you're going to die, don't be afraid. You're going to die. You'll be fine. It's like, whoa, that, that's not what I want to preach. That's not what people want to hear. It's like, Jesus didn't stop the storm and say, great is your faith, and so I responded. He stops the storm and says, what, you don't have enough faith to do it. You don't have enough faith to die. You don't have enough faith to stay in the boat. I'm asleep. You're going to die in the boat, and you're, you're worried that I'm out of control. I just stopped. I can turn this on, and I can turn this off. If I want to turn it on, and we all perish, where's your faith? Get used to it. It's like, that's, it's like, well, he can't be saying that. He's going to flat out say it later. Take up your cross and follow me. It's like he who wants to gain his life is going to lose it. It's like he who loses life is going to gain it. It's like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Right, you're going to lose in this age, but there's something greater that's taking place than you being delivered from a storm. Or in the, in the context here, if this is being read by the Roman Christians who are under persecution, it's like a, it's, it's something, right now I'm talking hypothetical because I'm not facing death. I'm not facing any kind of a storm at this moment. I mean, eventually we're all going to face death at some, I mean, something's going to kill us. I mean, if it's old age, if it's a disease, if it's an accident, we're all, it's someday we're going to be there. It's like, and we're going to, it's like, you're going to have to pass through death and you're going to have to have faith because God is not going to deliver you from death ah you will be resurrected there is glory but you're going to have to pass through life and life includes an end which is death it's like well deliver me from this where's your faith you're going to have to go into death with faith knowing that there's something god's in control and that's just i'm trying to think of a situation for us in our culture right now but the romans who are being hunted in christians romans christians that were being hunted and killed by nero where where's your faith it's like you had to have enough faith to go into the arena and know god's not going to send a bolt of lightning and destroy the romans you're going to get destroyed it's like are you sure that's what's going to happen it's like yeah historically that's what happened they got burnt at the sake the, the christian historians the pagan historians all record the same thing the christians perished in nero's persecution and what was going on well they had to have faith to know that you're going through a storm and you're going to the thing only you're going to get is your faith you're going to have to trust god he can bring the storm he can stop the storm right now he's not stopping it he's asleep on the cushion what are you going to do freak out or you're going to go oh, he's asleep everything's going to be fine well you're going to die okay and everything's going to be fine it's it's a it's radical to think about especially in the western church when we're used to hearing three steps to how to get your deliverance and this may be two steps on how to perish and enter into eternity with confidence with faith well it just kind of here it is chapter 4 verse 38 but he was in the stern the back of the boat asleep on a cushion and they woke him up and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing and again th they were and uh, uh perishing that's the word apolymetha which means to destroy or destroy utterly we're being utterly destroyed totally and you have no concern that's what they're that they're they're telling him you have no care you have no concern for us that we are utterly being destroyed 
that that's not a prayer of faith that's not going to, that's an accusation and and mark keeps that in context as an accusation peter remember he may have been one of those in the boat there who were accusing him now we're going to have uh i have a list i didn't put it in the notes in the book of mark there's like four or five places where something just like this happens where jesus is going to reveal something about himself and the disciples are resisting resisting all the way until he reveals it and 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 they've got to just accept it for example uh at mount uh caesarea philippi base of mount hermon uh jesus is going to say who do men say that i am and, and they're going to say G- peter's going to say you're either the son of god uh and then jesus is going to say I, i'm going to go to jerusalem be be pers- uh, be be crucified and peter's going to reject it and then he's going to have to take peter up mount of mount of transfiguration and, and moses and elijah will be there and jesus will explain it to him again and he doesn't understand it. it it's too much for him to handle they're going to go all the way to the cross and jesus is going to explain the cross again and at the cross after being explained they're going to reject it they're going to run and hide peter's going to deny him i mean every time jesus comes to reveal something new i know you understand this much but i'm going to do this it's like no no that doesn't fit in this and you've got to assume we're the same way i understand this much about jesus and i can teach that much about jesus but i know there's another level and when i start to experience that it's going to be like no no let's get this back down here so i can teach it it's like no you're gonna have to live it right here and realize and it's like and it's just going to keep on going until one day you know you're you're saying you're you're with him and you're saying no, no, I'm not. I, I, I hardly know anything. I don't, I've never seen, I, no. Are you going to be able to say, yes, I am? Because they're, they're ducking out of this storm. They're ducking out of going to Jerusalem. They're ducking out of the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross, basically he was by himself. But understand, the positive side is, at each level, they resisted, but they learned and accepted something and were able to take it and, and, and continue to grow at another level. I mean, look what happened to Peter after the cross we know the day of pentecost he's he's preaching to the entire jewish nation and thousands of people are coming to faith because of peter now peter's not ready uh when he first meets jesus he's not ready on this particular day in the boat he's not ready at 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 caesarea philippi he's not ready uh when jesus is on trial but each level something is revealed and peter ends up you know you can read his book and you've got to believe something like that is happening to us in our understanding uh and i know in my own life i could go through situations where i've trusted god and i think god's led me somewhere and then all of a sudden i find myself alone working out the details and he's asleep on the cushion and it's like and it looks like it looks like i'm the only one i'm doing all the work here you know i'm doing all the work to make god's plan happen and it's like but as i embrace it sometimes not because of great faith sometimes just because of uh, you know sink or swim you're here you got them it's like it's like they start bailing out water it's like were they going to supernaturally ba- i mean what was what did jesus want them to do what i mean what let's go back and think about it. what did jesus he's asleep on the cushion this is like a test and the disciples what should they have done it's like well peter have you seen a storm like this no this is worse than anything i've ever seen it's probably got to do with the fact that who we've got in the boat with us here uh and they're not going they're, they're probably going to be shouting bailing out water what do you think we should do well in the past i just bail out water and we try to get to the other side and uh well what do you think well I, that's all i know how to do let's just do it and trust god's going to do it you know i guess jesus is all right and and just start working in this and also they just make it to the other side and what 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 were they what was jesus expecting them to do i mean i'm sure jesus was expecting them to freak out and accuse him but what would have been the scenario that he could have woke up and says guys <laughs> I'm real proud of you. You handled that real well. I mean, was it at the bottom of the ocean or a bottom of the sea when they're all dead and they're all being escorted into, uh, you know, Sheol? It's like, guys, nice job. You died in faith. Well, that's what you wanted. I mean, that, that can't be the answer. But anyway. And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. So the first thing he does when he wakes up is rebuke the wind. This word rebuke, interestingly, this word rebuke has been used already in chapter 1, verse 25, chapter 3, verse 12, of demons. It's the, and he rebuked the demon and says, be quiet. It's exactly the same thing he does right here. He rebukes the wind, he rebukes the hurricane. 
and says, be quiet, be still. Now some, and again, you've got to put this on the shelf as a, some kind of a, an opportunity or a, a possibility. Some want to connect this to some kind of demonic activity, that this storm was driven up by the demons trying to destroy Jesus, and they're using the, the weather patterns to get their work done. And just like he cast the demon, rebuked the demon out of an individual, he's rebuking the demon out of the storm. Now that's, you can put that on the shelf and consider that as an option. But we just read Psalm 107, and who stirred up the storm in Psalm 107? It was the Lord stirred up the storm. In Jonah's case, who stirred up the storm? The Lord stirred up the storm. So it, it was God that was controlling. The same one that created order out of chaos also uses chaos when he wants to and brings order out of chaos when he wants to. Uh, he, he's the one who used the east wind to drive the sea back, the Red Sea. So God used the wind to drive back the Red Sea. And then when he was ready, it let it go and destroyed the Egyptian army. So uh, it's I don't know if we've got you know, you want to talk about demons here, but you can keep that on the shelf. But the ideal is here, he is addressing, he is addressing the weather, the wind, the hurricane in a, in a personal sense. He's talking to it, which is like, is that strange? I don't know if it's strange because this is the one who spoke and it came into being. He said, let there be light and there was light. So he speaks and things happen. This may be more about his words than about what what is going on behind like you know if there's a person there a demon there what's going on is he is directing or the creator you know we can talk to people again don't don't go weird on me we we can't talk to a chair we can't talk to inanimate objects now again people want to get into the power of words and all that kind of stuff but we are limited to talking to souls persons some, you know, maybe an animal, something that can hear and respond to our voice. Um, but God clearly is speaking to creation. He speaks to the wind. He speaks to the, the, the weather patterns. He, he, he says, light be, light is. He, he, by the power of his word, well, Hebrew says, all things are sustained by the power of his word. He is speaking. His very word is holding the universe together, according to Hebrews. And science is seeing some things like that also. So when it says he rebuked the wind and the sea, uh, it is the same word that he used for uh, demons. But I think that he's speaking to the wind and the waves because he has, and this is probably the key, he has ultimate authority. Who is this? He speaks, well, it says right there at the end. uh, Verse 41, bottom page 3. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this that not only that the sea and the wind obey him, but who is this that speaks to the wind? Who speaks to the sea? Who is it can, that can communicate with the wind like you're talking to a person, like you're talking to a demon? He's talking, this man is talking to the wind, and the wind listens. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, a lot of, you can go down, you know, a lot of different places if you want to go to the homeless or the, you know, shelters or wherever where people are having trouble. And they're going to hear a lot of strange things. But nothing's responding to them. I mean, they're talking. They maybe have some. But this man, he's crazy, but not really because he's actually got the authority because it listens to him. So he's not just talking to the inanimate objects. He's got authority over the inanimate objects, and the inanimate objects respond to him. He's eventually going to multiply the bread. He's, he's already turned the water to wine. I mean, it's like whatever he just says, and it happens. And it's not magic, it's authority. Magic is something that, you know, some kind of weird manipulation. He's just thinking, got the authority. Who is this? Uh, they they thought he was a great teacher. They thought he was a man of God, but he's acting like he's in ch- like he's the creator, just directing the molecules to do what he wants them to do, which is exactly if you put if you if you look what takes place in Genesis one, and realize the person that was speaking in Genesis one is now in this boat. You know he's able to speak and things happen, create and things happen. Now he says, "Be still." It's like, well, what did you expect? I made it. It's like, I, I'm in charge. And then, then you, then you again, 
that's bigger than the human mind can even understand because the universe is huge and god jesus is huger <laughs> he's outside and controlling it hebrew says by the power of his word holding all things together all things are held together so now you see this is affecting everything as we know in in life who is this then that even the wind and the sea obey him uh go back to verse 39 and the word be still in the greek has a sense of muzzled same thing like the demons he, he muzzled be still be muzzled you're done here stop it and then the point in chapter 4 verse 40 he said to them and this is the our question for ourselves why are you so afraid have you still no faith now if we accept if we, the things that i've tried to describe how He's speaking to inanimate objects. He's the creator. He's got the authority, and he is in control. And if you trust him, say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. Help me make good decisions, and when I don't make a good decision, help me out and make it turn into something good. Like all things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Yeah, there's a good verse. Okay, and now this is happening. Oh, no, this is not good. This is bad. What do I do? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where's your faith? Even in the storm, this is not out of control. Even in persecution, this is not out of control. Where's your faith? Well, I want to stop the persecution. You're not going to stop the persecution. I want to stop the storm. You're not going to stop the storm. You've got something bigger than the persecution. You've got something bigger than the storm. You've got God who's working and is watching and is aware of everything that's happening in your life where's your faith it's almost like you're going to have to look above the storms and the storms are coming and going now again this is this is an hard thing i mean i i can try to express it but i don't know if i could live it uh it would appear that jesus was upset that they weren't willing to just trust him he's asleep well he said go we go well it looks like this is we're just going to drown in the middle of he says they say we're going to perish we're going to drown well he said come here and we're here i guess we wait and see what happens and they freaked out so there's something about getting into the midst of a situation then you hear stories of martyrs and their great faith how they just they just saw through it that's another whole level being able to face your martyrdom your persecution and and not flinch and be confident that my problem is i i you know and we all know so that we make mistakes and get ourselves into situations like you make you make you have a choice you make a decision and you get yourself in this particular situation and it's it's my fault and it's like if i hadn't done that god could have worked with this if i hadn't done this god could have and now i've messed it up well now look what you've just done where's your faith your faith is not in the storm or or in the persecution your faith is in your bad decision and it's like now i god could have done so much with the storm or with persecution but look at me look at the stupid thing i did now there's nothing like you can it's like whoa 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 now you've got the universe and all the inanimate objects You've got the God Almighty outside controlling it with his authority. But there's one thing that is greater than God's authority over all the universe. That's your stupid decision. And that's, that's where I get cut off at. And he's like, it's like, no, your stupid decision is inside this universe. And God, well, look at, look at Peter. How many times, I mean, that's what's nice about you. All these things that Peter does, and yet he comes out on the top. Because it, well, Peter's not greater than the universe. And the universe isn't greater than God. It's all under God's control. And so in all of this, however you want to read it, the end of the point is, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Uh, We need to have, I need to have faith in the storm, in the persecution, even if I get myself into a situation that's my own fault. We know from Hebrews chapter 12, God will discipline those he loves. He's, gonna, he's not going to crush you. He's going to discipline you and take you to the next level. That next level may be into eternity or, or something we don't even understand. But the idea here, again, is that Jesus has the authority. And the, the, the interesting thing right here is uh, 
that chapter 4, verse 41. I mean, there's so many different phrases in here, but we said already, they, when they saw this, they were filled with great fear. They were, when they, they understood this concept, they were so overcome with a fear. It's like how, who, this is, it, this is beyond anything we've ever seen. They were more amazed, more afraid, I could possibly say, of the supernatural manifestation of God's authority than they were of the natural manifestation of the storm. And so that's the first thing that they've communicated right here. Mark talks about here in this series of four stories is, again, uh, Jesus and his authority as God. The, what you have on the rest of the map right there, you can see I've got some things on page four. You can see how high Mount Hermon is on the, the topography. And uh, the Sea of Galilee is down there. You can see at the top of page four. It's a pretty good illustration how high Mount Tabor is, where Nazareth is at on, on the topography, looking at it from the east looking west looking over the jordan river at not from the mediterranean sea but looking from from jordan towards the mediterranean sea you can see how high mount Hermon is and how that cold water would come down and how low the sea of galilee is and how close it is to the dead sea as it flows downhill um the next map you just see where mount Hermon is and located there uh yeah, you, the next page five, you can see a little map. There's, there's a storyline on that. Those dots don't have anything to do with our storyline. So you can kind of see where Capernaum is and where Gergesa is. Uh, another good illustration, the middle one, is you can see, looking now from the south, looking up, uh, you can see the Mediterranean Sea on the left, and then the, the, the sea level, the dotted line, and then the Sea of Galilee is... is uh, that low spot right there, and how high Mount Tabor is, Mount Carmel, and Mount uh, Hermon is further away. And there's a modern map of the Sea of Galilee with the roads going around it. Even Capernaum is marked right there on that sea right there, and they were, they were sailing down towards, you know, uh, where it says 789 or somewhere in that area there. Okay, that's the information there we've got. He, we're going to pick up next week. After this storm event, the ship lands over here on the east side, and they face a demon or a man with a legion of demons, and that's another story. And again, Jesus is going to be amazing. He's going to just, he's not going to start cursing at the demon or freaking out and shouting at it, having some kind of, I've got authority over you. He says, hey, he says, what's your name? And he just talks to him. It's like he talks to the demon or the demons like he talked to the storm. It's like, He's just walking around, letting, letting his disciples know, I, I talked to all, I'm in charge of all of this. Now, where's your faith? Well, my faith is in my good behavior. You got some things to learn. <laughs> you need to trust me, God would speak. Okay, I'll pray and we're done. Father, do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We ask that we would have faith, faith in you and what you are doing, not faith in our own behavior, not faith in the things that we can accomplish not even in the faith of, of your calling that you've given to us, but faith in you, leading, guiding, and doing your will in our lives. Father, do again thank you for this opportunity and ask that we would grow, that we would go through these phases of growth and continue to be productive in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time. Any questions?